Most everyone has heard the story of Chicken Little. The sky is falling. That whole scenario, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. It's one of those stories that you tell your children that freaks them out. Can the sky really fall? Um, <laughs> yes, it can, son. And, dude, I'll tell them I love you. You're so great. You need to come all the time now. Uh, and, and so this is the story of Chicken Little trying to redeem himself. And he, he, he says that the sky is falling. And while he is right, no one believes him. And, in fact, he gets in trouble for it. And just one bad thing happens after another, except at the baseball game when Chicken Little comes through and helps his home team win against their bitter rivals. And he finally gets some respect that he's looking for, especially from his father. And yet, there's still something wrong. This clip right here, which we are going to see uh, in just a second, is, is setting this up. Is he's gotten his love, the love and respect from his father, which he craves so deeply, back. But there's still something wrong. Let's watch this. So what happened? Is it not going to work, Stace? No? <laughs> exactly. Put your head down. <laughs> Give you one second. Okay. So you want me to talk about something? How many of you from out of town? Anybody? Anyone? Okay. All the burning people are raising their hand. Oh, here we go. Nope. Just kidding. Well, I, I'm not good at sign language. Just go on, you're saying. Forget the clip. Give up on the clip. Okay. Okay, this happens every time Bernie's here. I'm just going to say this. that Two weeks ago when Bernie was here, I don't know if y'all were here, and it happened. Uh, I'm not saying that it's y'all, but we are rivals of you, and uh, I think you're trying to do something to us. State championship. I'll throw that in your face one more time. Um, so so what happens right here in this clip is is Chicken Little is uh, – he goes over to the window after he sings his I'm the champion song, and he goes over to the window, and he sees the sky fall. And it falls directly at him, and it goes through the window, and it hits on his floor. And he freaks out, as any of us would rightly do, that the sky has fallen in his room, and he grabs the cover, and he covers the sky, and his father runs up, and he says, what's wrong? And he's like, um, I fell out of bed. And he's like 10 feet away from his bed, and his dad looks at it, and he's like, well, how'd you get over there? Chicken was like, where? Over there, where? Over there. And they do this for like five minutes, and Chicken Little then says, what are we talking about? And his dad goes, I don't know. But tomorrow's a new day. Let's move on. Things are back to normal, and he leaves. And then Chicken Little starts saying this little prayer, please be gone, please be gone, please be gone. And he lifts the cover, and it's gone. But it's not really because it has just changed its shape into what the floor looks like. And he starts walking away, and he trips over it and falls flat on his face. See, the thing about it is he is very, very afraid that the love of his father is going to be gone because of this piece of sky that has fallen. He's really scared about the love of his dad and, and, and earning the respect of the town and, and all the things that go. He's really worried that what he knows to be true is going to get him in trouble. What kind of world do we live in where we are afraid to speak the truth because we're afraid that people will lose respect for us or that people won't love us anymore or that people will look differently at us? 
And yet, that's the kind of society we live in. That when we come out and we speak the truth, sometimes we get hammered for it. You know, Jesus Christ told us to love one another. As I have loved you, so you too should love one another. If you have your Bibles, open up to 1 John. It comes right before 2 John. Chapter 4, and I am at verse uh, 16. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in him. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we are like Christ here in this world. Listen to this, verse 18. Such love has no fear. Okay, this is the kind of love we have, the love of God. Okay, what is that? It is a, it is a love that has no fear. You ever seen those no fear stickers? They're, they're talking about a totally different thing. But no fear is the kind of love that we have dwelling inside of us who have Jesus Christ. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is not for fear of judgment. And this shows that this love has not been perfect. His love has not been perfected in us. We love each other. As a result of his loving us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we can't see? And God himself has commanded that we must love not only him, but our brothers and sisters too. Here's the thing. We live in a society where we don't want to say what we know to be true because we don't know if somebody's going to love us after we say it. We don't necessarily want to be who we really and truly are because we're afraid of how people might look at us. We don't want to come to church dressed a certain way because we think people may look at us differently. We don't want to come to church and be who we really are, hurting and just, I mean, this may not be you right now, but there's a time in your life when you walk into church and you don't want to let people know that you're hurting. Because church is a happy place. It's a joyful place. This is where we come to celebrate, to worship. Somebody asks you in the hallway, how are you doing? You're like, great. We've had this comment many times, and I made this comment about a year ago. I think it was actually last summer when Ross King was playing some little backyard concerts. And and he said that he believed that the church building was the least honest building on the block. And when he said that, I, I thought about it, and I, and I kind of got a little, you know, defensive. I was like, Dude, you want to step outside, Ross? I can take you. He's like, let's talk. But then I really thought about it. I was like, well, he's true. Because a lot of times we want to put these masks on when we walk into church. We might know that the sky is falling, but we don't want to tell anybody that the sky is falling because what are they going to think of us? You know, no Niners. Let's face it, I know this doesn't happen in Bernie, but down here in the sticks, sometimes image is important. Let's face it, image is important to our community. How you look, how you act, how you dress, it's all important. We don't necessarily want to show people who we truly are because we're afraid of what they might think when they see it. And yet God is telling us we need a society and a world in which we can love one another. God created me to be me. God created me to love me. You know, if you, if you take on that, if you take on that verse and if you think about that, 
that God created this person in front of me, you start to see them differently. That God created this person who cut in front of me on the highway. You may be a little slower on the finger. I'm going to get comments for that one. Get over it. But if God created each and every person on this world, and guess what? He did. Shouldn't we be a little more loving? And sometimes it's easy to be loving to people who are like us. It's much easier to be loving to somebody who looks like me and acts like me and talks like me than it is for somebody who's not like me whatsoever. I know that this is true in your life because it's human nature for us to do that. It's human nature for us to get into our little cliques and our little gangs and our little communities. And yet, Jesus Christ said, love each other as I have loved you. If you truly have the love of God dwelling inside of you, then if somebody comes up to you and says, the sky is falling, you may not agree with them, but you're going to love them anyway. You're not going to ridicule them and ostracize them and put them in a corner. You know, this is a, I don't know if, if you're aware of this, but there's, a, there's an election coming up. I, I don't know if you've heard anything about it. Presidential election. A couple of guys, John and Barack, are uh, running for president. And, uh, and, you know, this brings out the worst in our society, I think, presidential elections. It brings out the best sometimes, and it brings out the worst. It, it allows us to have conversation when we need to have conversation. Thank you, Kevin. It's Kevin's birthday, everybody. So say happy birthday to Kevin when you uh, get a chance. It allows us to have conversation. It allows us to open up dialogue about certain things and issues. But then really what it, what it makes us do is to get into our corners to say, I'm over here and I support this guy and I hate everybody over there. And then the people over here are like, well, I'm over here and I support this guy and I can't stand everybody over there. I'm over here, and I go to Bernie High School, and I hate all those rich Alamo Heights kids like y'all are poor. I'm over here, and I'm in Alamo Heights, and I hate all those country folk up in Bernie, and I'm going to make T-shirts about it. Yeah, you know that high school. Our high school does that. But God created us. Yeah, rivalry's good. We hate the Australians right now because, you know, we're in swimming Olympic mode, and we're better than they are. But God created them. God created them. See, I, I'm not, I, I don't think I've ever really tipped my hat as to which way I am politically up here. Some of you may think you know what I believe, but you don't. But you do know that I stand for the environment, that I stand for human rights, that I stand for certain things. But I'm not going to get up there and say, if you don't believe in the environment, that God created everything and we should take care of it because that's what he said to do. And you still drive your 1998 Dodge Ram pickup and you... Oh, yes, we, sorry. And use all kinds of gas and pollute and all those different things. I'm not going to say you're evil and horrible and you should just burn. No. Here's the sad thing about all of this is a lot of times the church is the first one to do that. The church is the first one to point the finger at somebody and say, because you don't believe what we believe, you're going to burn. Because you don't think the same way we think, because you don't know what we know, I don't like you. And I don't want to hear your voice, and I don't want to see you. I just want to put you away in a corner. Man. Those are harsh and condemning words, and some of you may be a little offended that I say those, and some of you may be angry at me, and you know what? I'm sorry. 
but the sky is falling. The sky is falling, and it's time we recognize that. It's time that we stop pointing fingers at people and open our arms to people. You know, you may be homosexual, and my theology may be against that, but good gracious, I love you so much because God created you. So I'm not going to exclude you from my hall. I'm going to welcome you and say, come in here and feel the love of God. You may be committing adultery, which is just as big a sin. And I may disagree with that theology, and I may think that you are doing something bad that you shouldn't be doing, but I'm going to love you, and I'm going to include you. Because if I exclude you, how are you ever going to know the love of Christ? Besides the fact, if we went through here and took a poll of all the sinners in the room, and then we said, okay, you send out, you send out, you send out, it would be pretty quiet in here, wouldn't it? Nobody would get my jokes. Not saying I'd still be here. <laughs> I'd probably be one of the first ones ushered to the door. Thank you for coming, Mr. Crocker. We've enjoyed your time here. But seriously, if we started doing that, who would actually come? If we really seriously, honestly went through the text and look at all the things, and then we look with a fine microscope at each one of our lives. Oh, you missed it. You were so close. We, oh, man, we were pulling for you, but you got to go now. And yet, seriously, doesn't it sound like the church is doing that a lot of times from, from some of the church leaders that get on TV and that, that throw out their political opinions? And I don't think the church and politics have any place together, but that's another story. And some of you may disagree with that, too. But honestly, if we really listen to the words that John's writing here, you have the love of God. There is no greater love than that. Jesus Christ, God himself, came down on earth and was willing to give his life for us, was willing to suffer an unimaginably difficult and painful death for me and for you. For every person that has ever walked on this earth, Jesus Christ did that. Now, not every person has got it. Not every person has realized that. So then if I read chapter 28 of Matthew correctly, I need to get out there and tell people about it. I need to get out there and share the love of Christ with all. Jesus Christ said, now go into the nation and make disciples of all. All nations. Not just the ones who look like you, not just the ones who sound like you, who dress like you, who live where you live. Go into the world and make disciples of all nations. How can we do that if we don't love them? How can we do that if we don't see them as Jesus Christ sees them? As a child of God, preciously and wonderfully created in his mother's womb. I'm telling you, if you begin to see people that way, you react to people in a different way. If you begin to see people as a child of God, you will begin to treat people in a different way. Somebody who comes in off the street and smells and has, I mean, you all know me, I'm a germ phobe. And somebody that comes in off the street and clearly hasn't had a shower in a few months, right there for me, I'm going to go, here's my Perel wall. God's like, that's my son. I created him. And right now he needs you to be me. 
Right now, he needs you to be my arms, to wrap around him and to hug him and to say, God loves you. Because a lot of times he probably doesn't get to hear that. He gets to hear other things. That's just my challenge to all of us. And look, I'm as big of an offender as anybody in here. I have my snap judgments where I see somebody and I can go, okay, I've placed you in the world. I know your status. I know where you are. I know where you live. I know about you now. And Jesus is going, no, you don't. You don't know that guy. You don't know that woman. They're my child. They may be down on their luck. They may be sinning. They may be walking as far away from me as they can. But I still created them and I still love them. So let's do the same. See, Chicken Little was afraid that his father would stop loving him if he came out and he spoke the truth. Chicken Little was afraid that his friends would ridicule him again, that he would lose the respect of his, of his school and of his friends and of his family. I know some of us feel that way too sometimes because we've set it up to be that way. So why don't we listen to these words of John and change it? Why don't we listen to the words that John has written right here and allow the love of Christ to dwell inside of us and allow ourselves to see each and every person on this world as a child of God? I have a a friend who is a chaplain in the army. And he is, uh, some of you might know him, his name's Patrick. He, uh, he was coming here to New Heights for a while, and then he felt called by God to, to go to seminary and to become a pastor um, in the Army at the time of the war, which, that's a tough call. And I'm just so humbled by his faithfulness that he followed it. And he has already served one tour in Iraq, and he was home, and he was supposed to stay home for a while. He has a couple of daughters And the army called him and said, you're going back. We know we told you that you're not, that you weren't going back, that you could finish. He hadn't even finished seminary. He took like three classes and he was sent. And they said, but we need you to go again. And this was a tough thing for him. But in some of the emails that he sent me, uh, he sent me a postcard one time and he said, Iraq's just like Mexico City. It stinks. There's something. It's pretty funny. But he said one of, the, one of the things that has amazed him the most is interacting with the citizens of Iraq. You know, he takes care of his troops, of his, uh, his, I don't know if he's over a platoon or whatever, but he takes care of those guys and girls that are fighting over there, and he ministers to them, and he's there when there's a death. He's there at all times, and it's, I mean, an intense thing for him. Um, but he said one of his joys is to interact with the citizens of Iraq who don't agree with him spiritually who don't necessarily see him as he comes in his army uniform as somebody, as a man of God. But he said what God's allowed him to do is to look at these people and say, you're a child of God, and I don't agree with you on a lot of stuff, but I love you. I love you. And he said his interactions with the Iraqi people have made it worthwhile over there. Man, I'm not under attack. I've never had a bullet shot at me. There was one dove season one time where it was far away, but that's another song. I've never been in an intense pressure like Patrick is. And he gets it. He gets it. He is in the heat of battle. And he sees these people who are shooting at him. The child of God. 
trying to pray and to love them through all of this. That's the kind of faith I want to have. That's the kind of passion for people, for God's children that I want to have in my own life. And I hope that you can catch on to that too. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for being the God of love and peace that you are. Lord, we thank you so much that you thought of us, that you thought so highly of us, you wanted to create us just who we are, and that you did the same for each and every person. Lord, lift the scales from our eyes that we might begin to see each other as your children, that we might begin to put aside our our beliefs about who a person is and see who they really are, a child of God. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for being our Father. In Jesus' name.